0: I made it through childhood without ever having read the Lord of the Rings series. And even though I went to the college that has the very desk upon which Tolkien penned his epic classic, I still arrived at adulthood without catching up. But I've discovered, as maybe some of you have, that parenthood is an opportunity For second chances. So it is that my daughter Lily and I have been reading through the series. We just finished the Fellowship of the Rings, and we are now well on our way into Two Towers. If you haven't read The Lord of the Rings, or maybe it's just some distant memory, I won't try to summarize the 480 page first volume much less the whole series. What you need to know is that at the center of the story is a ring that was crafted by the evil sorcerer Sauron, and it wants to return to its master. Sauron gets the ring, then he will be able to rule all of Middle Earth and will plunge it into darkness and evil. So it is that a small band of creatures go with the ring to try to destroy it right in the heart of Sauron's territory in a fiery mountain in the land of Mordor. These creatures include a magical elf, a um, axe-bearing dwarf. I can never remember the dwarf part. Uh, two royal humans, a wizard, and a handful of hobbits. And the remarkable thing about it is that even though there are mighty warriors in this group and magical people of of all kinds that, that have special powers, it's actually one of the hobbits that is the bearer of the ring. Hobbits, if you're unfamiliar, are... Creatures that like a very domestic life—they don't like adventures or um, war or any, anything other than just living their lives in the shire, in their little hobbit hovels with a nice cup of tea by a fire. Some baked goods are included. That's all the better. And yet, it's on the shoulders of just such a creature that the fate of Middle Earth lies. Hobbits, I think, are a little like mustard seeds. Now, to explain what I mean, first I have to clear up a little bit of a quibble with the translation that we heard this morning. In our gospel reading, the disciples have asked Jesus to increase their faith. And Jesus responds that if they just had faith the size of a mustard seed, then they would be able to command a deep-rooted tree like a mulberry, and it would be planted in the sea. But that word small is not actually in the Greek. The Greek says is that if they have faith like a grain of mustard, then they will be able to command a deep-rooted tree to be tossed into the sea, and it would. Like a grain of mustard. That opens up some different possibilities for our understanding, I think. In fact, much of the early church, those people who were actually reading the New Testament in Greek, understood this passage not to be saying that if you just have a little faith, you'll be able to do such wonderful things. Instead, they understood that faith is not the kind of thing that you can accumulate. Instead, Faith's power lies in its nature, and and sometimes we can look at it and think that it's not mighty, just like a mustard seed. And yet, it can grow anywhere and it can add heat and spice to life. Which brings us back to Hobbits. The wizard Gandalf and Frodo have a conversation in the Fellowship of the Rings in which Gandalf tells Frodo that. He's known hobbits for a very long while and that even though you can discover everything there is to know about hobbits and their ways of life in a month, that even after a hundred years, they will surprise you in a pinch. So it is that, that magical elf Legolas and the royal king um, Boromir, and the, um, even the wizard Gandalf are all tempted at various times by the power of the ring. But it's Frodo, this little furry-footed hobbit, who is able to bear the ring faithfully and to ultimately bring it to its destruction. And part of the way he does this is that, like a mustard seed, a mustard seed doesn't grow in and of itself. It doesn't have power in and of itself. Instead, the seed is connected to a whole flow of life. It needs sunshine and water and soil, a whole community of life in which it can grow and thrive. And so it is with Frodo. He depends on his friends. He doesn't imagine that he can do it all on his own. And yet he's tapped into some sort of deep goodness that allows him to carry on with his quest. That's what the life of faith is, Jesus, I think, is trying to tell us. That the life of faith is not about accumulating some thing that we need to possess, but instead joining our life into the community of disciples, into the community of the church. But also, even more importantly, to join our life through faith into the flows of God's love. And that when we are joined in that, we can do and accomplish amazing things. And that makes me wonder, who are the bearers of that kind of faith, that mustard seed faith in our own community? who are the hobbits in our church, if you will. It's a possibility that's open to any and all of us. But it won't happen if we try to gain power or try to live our lives through our own personal spiritual prowess, our our own faith. Instead, it will come if we connect ourselves with the community of faith, And in that, join in God's flow of love and bring that love into the world that so desperately needs it. There's another point in The Fellowship of the Rings in which Frodo laments the dark time that he lives in. He tells Gandalf that he wishes that this all hadn't happened in his time. Gandalf responds that everyone who lives in such dark times wishes that it wasn't their time. That all we can do is to accept the time that we are given and to do what we can with it. This was certainly true for Tolkien himself, who lived through the darkness of two world wars. Certainly true for Jesus and his disciples as they tried to live out their faith in the midst of Roman-occupied Palestine. The temptation in such times is to to grab onto power and to to try to overcome evil, as many people along the way are tempted. They just want to get the ring and, and use it for good. But instead, the way of faithfulness, the way of the mustard seed, the humility of hobbits is to live out our faithfulness not through an act of power, not through an act of accumulation, but instead through obedience, by being obedient servants to the call that we are given. And when we are able to do that, we are able to be joined into a power that is far greater than we could ever hold on our own. So let's not ask with the disciples that Jesus increase our faith. Let's instead ask that we might have faith like a mustard seed, humility like a hobbit. And in this, I think we are invited into a different kind of reality, one that's expressed well by the authors of the wonderful collection of Ignatian um, exercises and, and uh, meditations called Love, a Guide to Prayer. Now, I'll just paraphrase, but the authors say that our lives are limited. As creatures, we don't live all that long. But to achieve our fullness of who we are, we have to surrender ourselves To God's faithfulness that is always present to us. And when we give ourselves over in trust to that love, then we will be able to do more than we could imagine. We might be able to command mountains and they will be moved, or to say to uproot deep rooted trees that they should be uprooted and they will, or more likely, We might just be able to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it or to love a difficult neighbor. That's the call. That's the promise of the mustard seed. So let's take those seeds in our hands and go in the world and spread them about as a sign of God's love. They will fall in all of the cracked places of a world bent toward power. And they will grow and flourish and break, it, break open a new possibility for life. Amen.